this morning we're looking at one of the things that, and actually my class, for those of you who came this morning, was inspired by um, Sarah and I having a conversation about this being her first Christmas, um, telling the kids this story and being prepared for all of the questions that they might ask, right? Because if the Christmas story doesn't make us ask lots of questions, then we're probably not paying attention. And one of the questions that we wrestle with, even as we encounter this passage, is how in the midst of the joy of Christmas could there be the horror of Herod's decision um, to do what he did, um, to try to hold on to his power. And we live with that mingled life of God's bringing about his redemptive plans and purposes in the midst of our fallenness that continues to make evil and other things happen in that world where the two happen together. And this morning, hopefully, we're going to um, learn a little bit more about perhaps how to navigate that world, how to hold on to those things, how to sit with them, um, even when they're hard um, to understand. And so here, um, the word of the Lord that um, Doug, Doug just read part of um, from Matthew 2. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Thus far, the word of the Lord. One of my favorite Christmas movies is kind of an exercise in what I'm about to talk to you about, and that is I'm kind of wondering what life would be like, right, if things had turned out differently or if your circumstances were different or if you lived in a different place or married a different person, or if you weren't even around at all. Most of you probably know what Christmas movie I'm talking about. It's a Wonderful Life. Um, it's one that we try to watch, not necessarily every year, 
Um, but often, last year, we actually got on this kick of watching old movies. And then it started with showing the kids It's a Wonderful Life and then went on from there to other classics like Napoleon Dynamite and, <laughs> and Back to the Future. <laughs> but anyway, we wanted the kids to see some movies that had been um, meaningful and important to us. Um, but A Wonderful Life is um, one of those. And if you're at all like me, and probably at times you maybe find yourself wondering, what would life be like or have been like if? And one of the first places after seminary that I went to interview before we came here, um, the first time was in a little town called Burley, Idaho. And it was a town of about 2,000 people. I'm in a Presbyterian church that was looking for a pastor. And I went there to interview um, by myself, and I can't remember quite why, if you had finals or something, uh, oh, and Angela had concerts, I should have guessed, <laughs> Con concerts that she couldn't um, leave and so couldn't come with me. Um, and the weekend kind of went, you know, with them wanting to hire me before they even <laughs> talked to me and me trying to figure out, should, I, should we come here? And how in the world can I expect my wife to come to a place that she hasn't even seen but I often find myself wondering, what would be life, life be like and if we had decided to go to that little town of 2,000 people and if I had started out um, as a solo pastor instead of an associate pastor, and then we had um, moved there and made our lives there and lived there. And obviously, it would have been different. I mean, I would have and we would have been shaped um, differently um, having chosen um, to do that. Um, or at times I wonder what would happen if I had married somebody different? What if I had married one of my girlfriends from college instead of Angela? And what would life be like and who would my kids be? Have any, has anybody else ever done this, wondered this? No, Andy's saying no, don't, don't go there. I know. Sorry, Andy. Too, too, too late. Yeah, too late. <laughs> But the thing about life is, is that both our intention and circumstances and then God's intention somehow all work together to guide and direct and to shape. And we often don't think about how that's actually happening in the Christmas story, even though Matthew keeps trying to point it out to us. And so this happened so that it would be fulfilled, and so this happened, so that it would be fulfilled. And Matthew is not just meaning so that some words in writings from the past could be referred to or alluded to. Um, fulfilled means way more um, than just that. So even in the midst of what Herod decided to do, and as we talked about last week, it's one of the things that helps us know conclusively that Herod was a counterfeit king. And the fact that he was willing to use his power to take life to try to hold on to his power instead of laying down and letting go of his power and even giving up his life so that others might have life, and which is the picture of the king that we get in the person of Jesus. 
But Herod decides um, to do what he does, and that decision forces, really, Joseph and Mary and the family and Jesus to go to Egypt to flee, um, to flee the danger that Joseph is warned about um, in a dream. And so they go, um, and they live in Egypt. And I'm sure that that living in Egypt was more um, than just a passing thing. It was something that was probably formative in ways um, that Jesus would come to understand later in his life as he is in the midst of his ministry and as he is having to reach out to people from different cultures and from different places and from different walks of life and actually seems to have kind of a bent towards doing that, towards having compassion on people who are on the outs, who are not the ones who belong. And Jesus seems to, over and over again, reach out to them. And I can't help but think that part of that could have been the fact that he spent time being the one who doesn't belong being the one who's there because he had to be there, not because he wanted to be there. But Matthew tells us that that stint in Egypt was so that it would be fulfilled that out of Egypt I called my son. And if you look at that passage, it's not referring to an individual person, it's referring to Israel. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And so it was fulfilled that Israel was narrowed down to this person of Jesus and the hopes and dreams of what that really meant to be called out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, and into the land of promise and of life, and of abundance, and of wholeness and fullness um, could be fulfilled in a way far beyond even um, Israel's journey from Egypt um, into the promised land. And so Jesus makes that journey so that we can understand a little bit more deeply what it is that Jesus was really trying to do and did through his life and death and resurrection and then ascension. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And so God uses the horror of Herod's choice to fulfill something, to bring about Jesus going to and then returning from Egypt just as the whole nation of Israel had. But then when they get there, even, when they decide that it's time to go back because Joseph is told it's okay, they're forced to go somewhere other than their hometown because Joseph is still worried about who's in power and how they might use that power. And so he decides to go to Galilee and to Nazareth instead of to Judea, 
to their hometown. And so again, Jesus grows up and is then known as a Nazarene. Somebody who's not um, from, as I said last week, the center of a thing. Somebody who's kind of from the backwater, from the podunk. And Jesus grows up there, and again, it's formative and shapes him and fulfills things more than just the words that were written or spoken centuries before. And so Jesus, in his ministry, shows over and over again that he's not going to be caught up in the hype when people want to literally drag him off and make him king, he's able to resist that and to say, no, that's not the way that God has planned for me to go about what I'm supposed to do. It's okay for me to do the smaller thing so that the bigger thing can then happen down the road. And I don't think that Jesus would have been able to do that as easily if he wasn't a Nazarene, if he wasn't used to growing up in the backwater. How many of you know who Dalton Reisner is? <laughs> He's one of the new rookies and playing for the Broncos. He's had a great year. And he is from Wiggins, Colorado. <laughs> so he's a Colorado boy. And one of the things that I have liked about kind of following that this year with him, and not only how well he's done, but the fact that he's from Wiggins, I think, has kept him grounded. <laughs> he still drives his beat-up old truck still wears his cowboy boots with cow dung on them. <laughs> and he has been able to handle the pressure of having done so well in his rookie year in a way and that I think having grown up in Wiggins has helped him to do. And I think that the same thing is true um, for Jesus and how he went about his ministry and went about it because of the fact that he grew up I'm in the backwater, in Nazareth. So just as Jesus was shaped by these things that, as I said, were a combination of his family's intentions, of circumstances that forced things that they probably weren't planning on doing, and then God's purposes all coming together, shaped who he was and how he went about what he did. And so as I reflect on things like that question, what would life have been like? And that's why it's important. Because I need to know who I am and how I've been shaped, and then out of that, what it is that God is calling me to do. And that's true for all of us. You have all been called out of Egypt and into the promised land. You have been called to leave a life of bondage and of slavery and to sin and to stuff and to whatever it may be that keeps you from truly living into and fulfilling God's wholeness and God's peace and God's health. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. And he will be called a Nazarene. 
God has, not only in my life, but in yours, just as he did in Jesus, used those things to shape us and to form us. And the biggest thing about that is it's because it's for a reason. We weren't just called out of Egypt to leave Egypt. We were called to and for the promises that God has for us, the promises that God is going to fulfill for us. We're called out of slavery and into freedom so that we might lay down that freedom for the sake of others. That we might be a blessing, just as Jesus did. And that is the truest expression as we lit the candle of love this morning, of God's love for us, and of how we can grow into that love as well. And so may you know more and more deeply who it is that you've been called to be, how it is that God has shaped you so that you might indeed be a blessing. And that in and through you, God's love may dwell and flow more and more richly. May it be so. Amen.